Well, it's good to be with you guys tonight, and welcome those who are online watching. I know my wife is, home with our kiddos. Um, well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Sean Curtis. My family um, is consists of my core family, my my family that I live with is my wife Carrie and my daughter Marin and my daughter Olivia, and we just moved here from the West Coast a few months ago, and um, we this has been an amazing few months, and we're making Greenville home very quickly, and it's been just been awesome. So thank you for welcoming us um, into your family. Um, I'm still making a little mindset shift, like every now and then it'll slip out of my mouth when I talk about the West Coast as being home. Um, it's habit because I lived there since 1980, um, and but this is home now, and um, starting to make that switch. Um, I currently serve with the youth, woo, which has been super fun and unexpected, but awesome. Um, I've already, you guys have already imparted so much to me, and I'm super grateful to be serving with you guys. Um, well, one of the, the amazing things that I've been able to do in my journey in ministry over the last 20 or so years is officiate a lot of weddings. Um, the churches that I planted and pastored in California had a lot of young single people who started meeting each other in church. There was a little joke at our church in San Francisco. It's called Great Exchange because it was talking about we receive the righteousness of Jesus in exchange for our brokenness. So that was the idea of the name. But when you get a, a lot of single 20-somethings, it started becoming the great exchange of digits. And um, somehow God blessed that and sanctified it. And uh, we, did a, we had a lot of marriages and a lot of babies, fortunately, in that order. Um, <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, but one of the things that, that I love doing was walking with couples as they're getting ready for their marriage, because it's a little bit scary at times to enter into that covenant relationship, and as those two people were walking together to discern whether or not they were called to be together, you know, they would say, hey, Pastor Sean, would you walk with us and help us prepare for this? And part of my, my job in that setting was to walk with them, listen with them to what the Father was doing in their life, help them discern whether or not they're ready to begin their life together. And one of the things that I would, would work on is seeing first, I would view a relationship in kind of two phases. First was face-to-face. How are they in their relationship just face-to-face? Can they communicate? Can they honor one another? Can they listen? Can they reconcile? Can um, they seek God's best for one another? How do they work on their connection face-to-face? But if you're married, you know that your marriage is more than just the face-to-face, which is the second part that I would help them discern, and that's the shoulder-to-shoulder, because we're called to be partners in life. We're called to work together. And there were times where the couple was great face-to-face. There was a lot of chemistry, great communication, a lot of good stuff. But shoulder-to-shoulder, they weren't equally yoked. One of the partners might be really strong, and the other partner would be really weak. And they just weren't ready until there was some balance in that. And so I'd help them discern the face-to-face readiness, and I'd help them discern the shoulder to shoulder readiness. 
and it was pretty weighty at times. But you know that we, as a community, not just in this room, but globally, are called the bride of Christ, right? And Revelation 19 talks about the readiness of the bride. In John's vision, he says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. I want you to turn to your neighbor and said, say, you are, are a good-looking bride. Now, come on now, that, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Why was that so awkward? Because the bride has a beard? (laughs) Right? It is kind of funny because, I mean, that's that's our identity. We can't get around it. We are the bride of Christ. And we are sons. We are adopted into sonship. When Romans 8 talks about sons, it's not talking about daughters in that context. It's talking about we are adopted as firstborn sons, meaning we have the heirship. We have, we have the Father's whole estate. And families in that time, they didn't spread out the inheritance between all the kids. The firstborn son got the inheritance. So when we are grafted into the family of God uh, in that adoption that Paul's talking about, Paul is saying you get the firstborn space, place. You get the inheritance. You are a firstborn son. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are a beautiful, good-looking firstborn son. So we are sons and we are brides. And the bride has a responsibility to make herself ready. But God is so gracious that he doesn't send us off by ourselves to go make ourselves ready. Jesus is the one who cleans us. Jesus is the one who gives us his Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us. He gives us every resource we need to be able to make ourselves ready. And as the bride is getting ready for this marriage, there needs to be, we we need to feel the weight that this marriage needs to be between suitable partners. If some, my daughters are 9 and 11, in 30 years when they're getting ready for marriage. (laughs) If some young man comes to me and says, hey, I'd like to marry your daughter, I'm going to investigate. I'm going to look really hard at this 
person to see if they are suitable for my daughter. If, if they don't know how to clean a bathroom, if they don't know how to go shopping, if they don't know how to hold down a job, if they don't know how to follow through on their word, I'm going to be like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, they're not ready. They're not ready. Because my daughters are going to have, I mean, they already are walking in such high character. If they don't have a partner that can be equally yoked with them, it's going to destroy them. That, that image that the scriptures talk about are between two burden, uh, beasts of burden that are yoked together. And as they begin to pull, pull whatever they're pulling, pull the plow, if one of them is weaker than the other, they both end up dying. And some of you have seen this in your own personal lives and the lives of people you love. When two people are yoked together, if, if one partner isn't suitable, it destroys the marriage and both are deeply traumatized in that process. And so, as I would help couples to discern, are they ready face-to-face and are they ready to shoulder-to-shoulder, I believe that God's doing that with His bride as well. And we have the responsibility by God's grace and power, to ready ourselves as the bride. Are we ready to be face-to-face with our groom? Are we ready, are our affections so stoked towards Him that we see no other lover? We see no other person or thing that our hearts want to go after. Are we so focused in our affections towards Him that we're ready because that's how he is towards us. His heart is so for us. If we're not ready for that, it's not going to go well. This morning during worship, I had this experience where it felt like we were, as a, as a community, on display in the heavenly realms. It felt like we were in the heavenly courts. And... In the picture that I was seeing were all these heavenly beings circled around and we were in the middle and we were being inspected. Like, are we ready? Are we ready? And I felt like what the Lord was beginning to say is, your affections are getting there. I love how passionate we are in our affection for Jesus. Even tonight. That the Lord has been inspecting us, like, are we ready for the, for the affections? Are, is our hearts towards him in such a laid-down, lover kind of way? Are we ready for that? And as I was sitting in that and praying into that, I felt this approval come from heaven. And then I felt the burden start to come of what that means. And I just started praying, like, Lord, that burden is heavy, that burden is heavy, that burden is heavy, that burden is heavy. And right then, I felt the yoke start to come on. And that yoke is light, that burden is light with Jesus. And I felt like he was beginning to turn us into growing in what it means to be shoulder to shoulder with him. And that doesn't mean we give up the face-to-face. That's super important. We always have to stoke that. If you're married, you know you have to stoke that face-to-face love. 
but you also have to grow in your strength in the shoulder to shoulder. And I felt like the transition that we're in right now, starting last week, really, at the, at the table conference was, what does it mean for us to be able to walk with Jesus shoulder to shoulder in his mission in this world? Because he is ready, right? And he's looking for a partner in that mission, a suitable partner that he can go shoulder to shoulder with. And we know what his kingdom is about, and he wants us to partner with him in that. And so tonight, I want us to to sit in Matthew chapter 10 to think about what it means to be shoulder to shoulder with Jesus as as his yoke mate. Chapter 10, starting in verse 7. We'll just start there. Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples as part of their training on mission, training on how to be shoulder to shoulder with them. He's readying them for what that looks like. And he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, Chad has talked about Sunday nights being a little bit more interactive. So I want to, I want you to shout out to me, what is heaven like? What do we know heaven to be like? When the kingdom of heaven comes, what does that mean? Righteousness, peace, joy, love, healing, hope, freedom, no more tears, wholeness, glory, unity, yeah, healing. And so Jesus is helping them cast a vision to say, what we have going on is disunity, it's prejudice, it is oppression. He's sitting in a small little country that is occupied by a huge multinational force, this huge military force that was so oppressive. They they didn't know those things. They knew fear, they knew anxiety, they knew divisiveness, even within the... The Jews at that time, they had all these different factions and sects. They, they were not unified. And so he begins to cast a vision, say, the kingdom of heaven is coming near. It's right here, so close that you can touch it. And then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. These actions that display what heaven is like. These things that they can see that help declare what's going on in the spiritual realm. So do these things. And then he shows them how that works. He says, freely you've received, now freely give. This is so contrary to the way that all of us were brought up. Talk about a changing of the way that we think. We are trained by the world standards that Satan set up, let's be real, that the way that the world works is you work in order to earn. You work in order to earn. It's transactional. 
Relationships are working to earning. Our jobs are working to earning. School is working to earning. Everything that we engage in in the world system is work to earn, work to earn. It's transactional. But heaven works off a different economy. And the heavenly economy is freely you've received, now freely give. And this is, if we don't get this, we will not understand how to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Because we'll still operate off the the work to earn, work to earn mentality. But the kingdom economy is he wants to give in order to give. He wants to give to us so that we give. And that doesn't mean we don't work. What it means is he wants to grace us with something. And then he wants to grow us to steward what he's given us. That takes work. And then it takes courage to give it away. Partly it takes courage to give it away because we're so afraid that we won't get it back. And so it'll break off the poverty mentality like that. It'll force us to walk with risk. Like, God, are you going to give again? It's a totally different way of thinking. Last week at the table conference, it was like this massive table was set before us and we just consumed like crazy. We gained so much. We were given so much. And the Father always gives that freely. And so it's crucial to understand, and this is really practical tonight, it's crucial that we understand and take a hold of what those good gifts were and are that are in our hands. And it has to be real tangible. Because if we don't do that, we'll... We'll be looking to, we'll be running after the next ecstatic experience. When we have an encounter, there's always a gift in that encounter. There's always a gift in it. And it's important that we hold that gift and discern what that gift is. If you were slain in the Spirit, sometimes you won't know what that gift is for a minute. And it takes some time to to mine it out and discern what that was. If somebody imparted something to you, sometimes you don't exactly know what that is at, at that moment. And it takes some time and being in community to discern what that gift is. But it is up to you and me to take hold of what that gift is, knowing that it came from God. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father who loves to give generously. He is the ultimate gift giver. He loves to give those to his children. As a dad, it drives me crazy when I give my kids a gift and two minutes later they forget it and they want another gift. One of my daughters has way too many stuffed animals. She gets, she gets the gift. And then she's like, I want another gift. And she forgets about it and gives, wants another gift. If you're, if you're a gift giver, if that's one of your like, love languages, doesn't that drive you crazy? But when you see s- somebody that you give a gift to and they begin to treasure that gift and steward the gift, that becomes really beautiful. 
And so when the Father gives us gifts, He wants us to discern what it is, to value it, treasure it, thank Him for it. So often we're like spoiled kids. We're like, I want another gift. And He's like, I'm still with you in the first gift. I'm still with you in the first gift. Let's sit with that first gift for a little while because there's wisdom in that first gift. There's, there's something beautiful in that first gift that, that I, want to mine, I want you to mine out. Like, like sit in it for a minute. Talk to your brothers and sisters about it because they may have similar experiences with that gift and they want to, and I want them to show you how to use that gift and how to grow that gift. And so, I actually want to give you a moment to pause and close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, what is a gift that the Father has given me recently? Let's go ahead and turn to our neighbors and share with one or two other people around you what that gift was that the, that the Holy Spirit highlighted for you. I don't know about you, but part of my personality is that I'm always kind of, like by nature, I'm always moving ahead. I'm always thinking about the next thing. And the Lord has had to do a big work in my life to slow me down with that. So there are a lot of times, just because of the rhythms of life, that I don't notice the gifts. And I just kind of move on quickly. And there's something for me, and I'm assuming that at least for a majority of you, that when you stop to notice what the Father has given you, because these are all good gifts from Him, something gets activated inside. Did you feel something shift just by vocalizing? That is not a small thing, and I want to point that out. That is not insignificant. When you stop to notice the gift, and begin to thank Him for it, something gets activated. When I was little, my mom used to make me write thank you notes. When I was a little kid, I didn't like that. But man, I'm thankful for that because it activates something. It activates something. In the economy of heaven, the Father wants you to notice it not just because it activates you, not just because it it grows something inside of you, not just because it changes something inside of you, but because He wants you to give it away. He gave it to you in order to begin to partner with Him in the extension of it. That's what it means to be grafted into the family of Abraham. The family culture, when God established the family of Abraham, that family culture was blessed to be a blessing. 
That's, that's who we are being grafted into that family. Freely we've received, we've been blessed, now freely give. And so the Father wants us to be able to hold it, activate it, thank Him for it, experience His heart of goodness behind it, and then partner with Jesus in the extension of that gift. And He'll show us where to, where to give it. So He wants to teach us to steward these things. One of the greatest gifts that we have is the partnering with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that. As Jesus says in Luke 16, he who is trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. So don't look at your gift, even if it's small right now, don't look down upon that. Because he, he's testing you. If he can give you a little gift and you can steward that little gift, then he'll want to give you more to steward more with it. And it's so important to never, ever diminish the size or the, the gift. Never diminish it at all in your heart. Hold it, value it, thank Him for it, and begin to give it away. Because here's the other side of it. To whom much is given, much is required. And so He actually wants to grow us in our partnership and our stewardship of the gifts this is what I'm talking about, being a suitable partner to our groom. So he'll begin to train us. And so even if your gifts are small right now, it's okay. He actually wants to grow you in your strength to steward it, to grow you up into the suitable partner so that collectively we can stand shoulder to shoulder with Jesus in his gift. And there will always be a grace when you give. This is, this is crucial because we were talking about fear a little bit earlier on in the service. When God calls you to step out in mission to give this stuff away, it's always going to be scary. It's always a little bit scary. But you can trust that if he gave you the gift, that there's going to be a grace. I mean, the Greek word for, for gift is grace. Um, there's going to be a grace as you give it away. He'll help you discern who to give it to so that you're not giving your pearls to swine, right? But there will be a grace. When he points out the person you want, that he wants you to give it to, you can trust that there will be a grace on it. You, you don't have to fear. We talked to in, on Wednesday night in youth group that love always has to look like somebody, like, like something, Right? Love always has to look like something. That's the, that's the language of heaven. Love looks like something when God gives us a gift, and it'll look like something when we give it away. I loved last, um, last week on Friday night when, when Brian Schwartz was preaching, the way he was activating Rachel. If you were here, it was powerful. So he discerned very quickly because Rachel identified an area where she needed breakthrough, that God the Father wants to give her a gift for that breakthrough. And he knew that immediately she would have authority to give that gift right away. So he helped walk her through that breakthrough very quickly and then immediately put her into motion to give it away. It was powerful. I loved watching that. There were a couple of people that needed some healings on Wednesday night. Me, I was one of them. 
And so I asked people that had experienced breakthrough in, in those areas, needing physical healing, so that we could see breakthrough right away, that they could give it right away. So I, my, my throat was healed, like on the spot, and we saw a wrist healed, and we saw a back and a shoulder healed, like that. Because whenever God gives a gift, He wants us to give it away, and there will be a grace on that. And so we can have courage to do that. So I want you to turn to your neighbors again. Actually, before you turn to them, just sit with the Holy Spirit for a minute and say, Holy Spirit, you've identified the gift. Would you show me who to give it to? Would you turn to your neighbors and share that? There's something that gets activated when we vocalize that, and that accountability is really, really healthy for us. I feel like I... uh, I feel like I need to share what the Lord is putting on my heart. So you're my partner tonight. Um, you know, when you're new in a place, it's easy to have a mindset as being the outsider. And so at times then it's hard to be the welcomer if you feel like you're the, the, the outsider. Does that make sense? And... Um, and the Lord has started to show me that, that that's not how he sees things. It's actually, there's a poverty spirit behind that. Um, and even during, during worship, he just started to highlight that for me, where in that space, I'll gravitate towards people that are safe as, a, as an outsider. And the Lord started to show me my father-in-law, Carrie's dad, he passed away a few years ago, and he never went anywhere where he didn't, like, make a best friend. He had this amazing ability to welcome anybody, even if he was the guest. He'd go into a store, and the clerk would be his best friend within a few minutes. Um, and he would just, he just had such this incredible heart of hospitality, um, and the father just started to challenge me, saying, Sean, I've already given you enough hospitality. I've already accepted you. You're already an insider because you're my son. Yeah. Like, you're not an outsider. Like, you're already grafted into the middle because you're in my family. You're... And then he just started to show W, is what we called him. His name was Bill. Um, saying, I want you to be like him. That's what it is. So the gift that God has given me what the Father has given me is complete acceptance. And so the gift that I get to give away then, and it's, you know, it's a challenge at times, right? Is to be the acceptor then, to, to give that acceptance in return and to, to push into that. So you get to hold me accountable on that. If you see me talking to my friends at church on Sunday, say, Sean, knock it off, knock it off. Thanks, Chad. (laughs)
Amen. Amen. I know that this kind of message for people that can quickly identify the gift and identify who to give to, it's easy to track. But I also know that there might be some folks in here that are just really, they're, they're having a hard time seeing right now. There's some wounding going on. I just feel it in my spirit. And so if you're in a space where you're like, God, I need, I need to receive from you, that is a healthy place to be in. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's, that's it. So I'd love to ask some of the prayer servants to come forward. Um, and if you're in a place where you just need the Father to reveal his, his goodness to you, um, I want to invite you to come up and receive prayer. Um, maybe Ben and some of the worship team can come forward and just kind of play over that as we close. And there is no shame. And I want you to hear me on this. There is no shame if you're struggling to identify the gifts that God has given you. In fact, it is shame that keeps us from seeing. And so I really want to encourage you to be courageous tonight and just come forward and say, God, I need, I need to, to experience your goodness and, and a touch from you and to receive prayer. Amen? Why don't we stand? <clears throat> And I'll pray for us, and we can just spend some time um, praying for each other, worshiping, talking, being together. Father, you are so, so good. You give gifts so easily. And so generously, it's such a part of your nature. You make the rain fall on the believer and unbeliever. You're indiscriminate with your gifts. And we confess that we need your eyes to see those gifts. And so I ask that you would release your spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can see these gifts, Father. Because that spirit of wisdom and revelation doesn't just re reveal the gift, it reveals your heart, Father, and we need that. We, we need to experience your heart behind the gift. We need to experience your goodness, goodness in the gift. Father, there's some folks tonight that just need a touch of your love. And Father, I thank you that you did not leave us alienated, lost, but you sent Jesus as the ultimate expression of your love, the, the most incredible gift we could ever receive. Your baby, your beloved. Father, thank you for that gift. And Jesus, thank you for your obedience to the Father to be that gift. And again, we receive you, Jesus, as the ultimate gift of love. Jesus, we receive you. We receive you, Jesus. We receive you. So 
Father, we sit in your goodness and your love. And we're so grateful that we get to take it and share it and give it away. What a privilege. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.